Welcome to the First Assembly podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's message and find encouragement through the Holy Spirit. Really great to be here with all of you. Thank you. And uh, why don't you stand with me for a minute? I was thinking. Uh, I was thinking as we were singing that song, and then it was alluded to. It said, uh, "Your goodness is running after me." And I have to be honest, there's sometimes I'm slowing down because I don't think goodness is catching up very fast. I may have ever felt that a little bit, just to be honest with me, it kind of felt like. But I realized that as I'm looking to the Lord and I keep my focus on Him and I do what we were singing about earlier is presenting ourselves as living sacrifice. Now we all did that this morning singing. We presented ourselves as living sacrifices. Problem is, I don't want you this morning to get off the altar as I'm speaking. I want you to stay on there. That's the problem with living sacrifices. They move around a lot. And uh, so I, I want us to give our focus on the Lord, our attention on him, and just what he's doing. His goodness, if you stop and count it, you'll see his goodness has captured you and is still running after you. So you don't have to worry about that. Let's just put our hands in, in a posture of openness. Father, just speak to our hearts today. We're not here just to put in time. We haven't come out of religious duty, haven't come just because of Sunday morning. It's a, it is a practice of ours, but I've come with expectation, with anticipation, with openness in, in my heart and spirit. And I ask this for all of us in Jesus' name. Speak to us, I pray. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. You could be seated. The Bible says in... Uh, Isaiah 55, that my thoughts are not your thoughts, God says, and neither are my ways or your ways my ways. And as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So today I have a great subject to talk about because it's, it's a mind-blowing uh, topic that can't really be comprehended cognitively. It can't be fully understood just with your head. In, in fact, this morning's message is we receive kind of the word of God through our heads and hearing and listening, but has to be received through our hearts because it's just not natural. It's above natural. It would be supernatural. As we talk about agape love, God's love, the way God loves, and then how God loves through us. Now, your head will be working over time as, as I'm sharing. Your experiences will try to block out what I'm talking about because at times the experiences of life have knocked us hard. We've been concussed and sometimes we're just walking around like zombies just trying to survive. And when we hear a message like this, there's possibly one, two, three, 30, 50, 1,000 possibilities of experience or trauma or pain that you've experienced in your life that you're walking through now and you go, well... I wish it was that simple, the doubts, the fears, 
the fears you have when it's all dark. You may say as I'm talking, yeah, but this happened to me, or I don't know, I don't, I don't know if I can put that together with what's happening in the world today. And it, it may, uh, it may challenge you, may kind of go like, I, 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 I'm not sure, I, I know it, like I, I know that to be true, I just don't know if, I, if, I'm, if I'm living it. It's almost like the expectations of a child. The child has a lot of unmet expectations when they're little. We've got a little grandchild in our lives and, and so wonderful, but expresses herself in just her needs and doesn't understand the consequences of her actions. And so we're constantly guiding her along and she doesn't get it. And sometimes she throws a fit, kind of like you did last week about something, possibly. That didn't go your way, didn't go right, and you wondered, would that really be God's goodness? And is that really God's love for me? And it's the failure to understand the guiding hand of a loving father is guiding us in our lives that we thought that's what we really did want and it really isn't what we need. Most Googled verse in the Bible, what is it? What would you think? John 3.16. John 3.16, most Googled verse. What does John 3.16 mean? God loved the world. That he gave. He loved and then he gave his only son. That whoever would believe in him could be saved. God loved, he gave. That whoever would believe in him will not perish but have eternal life. He loved, he gave. Uh, oversimplified, two kinds of people, two kinds of people in the world is oversimplified. Those people that say, oh man, I really messed up. Don't tell my dad. And the other group of people that said, oh man, I really messed up. I gotta call my dad. Let me read this out to you. It's not on the screen, I just want you to hear it and receive it. New Living Translation. So what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who could ever, who could ever be against us? God is for us. Who could ever be against us? Since he didn't spare even his own son, John 3.16, but gave himself up for us all, won't he also, won't he also give us everything else? Won't he also give us everything else? God who gave his only son for us, won't he give us everything else? 
Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us, John 3, 16, died for us and was raised to life for us and is sitting at the right hand of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. God, Jesus is seated at God's right hand, pleading for us. Interceding is a, another word used. Can anything ever separate us from God's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are per persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? Sometimes when we walk through it, we say, I don't know if he's happy with me. Why is this happening with me? No, 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 no. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Overwhelming victory is ours. Get the reference. Through Christ who loved us. John 3.16. He gave his son for us. He loves us. How do we get victory? by receiving his love for us. That's how we get overwhelming victory, through his love for us. I am convinced, writer of Romans says, Romans 8, I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither fears for today, nor worries for tomorrow. Neither fears for today, nor worries what may happen tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that's revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. So... I'm with you. <laughs> so, God's love. God's love. Not comprehend, not fully understood. Recognizing it's through his love we begin to walk through the victory God has given us. So there's three stories, just before I begin my text, three stories that I, I want to bring up in Luke 15. Luke 15, Jesus tells three stories that are a little bit don't always completely make sense. The first story is the man, Bible says, Jesus tells the story, the man has 100 sheep. He has 100 sheep. Every night before he goes to sleep, he counts 100 sheep. And he gets to 99, and where's 100? Where did the 100 go? He's got 99, but number 100, AWOL, not around. Don't know how it happened, don't know where it happened, don't know how he feels about that, that one sheep. And honestly, if you're running a business, 1% leakage is not bad. 1% loss to the wolves, 
<laughs> not, not a, you got 99, you're still doing very well. And so Jesus introduces the thought of this man when he says, so what did he do? And you're already ahead of me in the story, but what did he do? He left the 99. No comment about left them with another shepherd. No comment about left them in the pen, left them protected. That's not the focus of the story. This focus of the story is he's got 99, but he knows 100's out there. So he drops everything. We don't know what he does with the other 99, and he starts looking. And he's searching and searching, and finally he finds that, that number 100, and he's not mad at the 100. There's no sense of him rebuking. Bible says he just picks up that 100, carry, carries that sheep on his shoulders back to the rest of the sheep. For most of us, 1% loss, leakage, that's okay. But not when it comes to people in God's kingdom. The one matters so much, he leaves the 99. He goes searching, looking. Doesn't beat up that sheep, doesn't discipline that sheep. He picks up that sheep, carries that sheep back to then he says he calls his neighbors and friends and he celebrates that the one has been found. And then he alludes to the fact that there's more joy in heaven when one person comes and receives the love of God and is, comes into relationship than, than that, that shepherd would have. Then he jumps immediately to a second story, just about as mystifying, and, and confusing a bit when he says a woman has 10 silver coins. Doesn't have a lot. A silver coin, not necessarily very significant in amount of money, but it was significant to her. And she counts. Isn't it interesting? In both stories, they're counting. Counting what's there and what should be there and what's not there. And she realizes one of her 10 coins is gone. 10%, a little more significant leakage, loss. And the Bible says, so what does she do? Well, she turns the place upside down. She turns every light on. She sweeps. She looks in every crack under every piece of furniture or whatever they may have and looks and looks and looks until she finds this silver coin. Then she does just like the shepherd does. Tells everybody, gets the neighbors and friends. I don't know if she has a party, but it probably costs more than the coin, I could suggest. Doesn't even make sense. Calls them all together and says, wow, what was lost has been found. And again, the illusion, he alludes to the fact in heaven, the angels rejoice when one comes back that's been lost. And then he ends the story with the prodigal son. He ends the, the passage with the third story, a triplet of stories, the prodigal son, a son has, a father has two sons, and the first one says, Dad, I wish you were dead that I could have my inheritance. Why don't you give me my stuff now, and I don't have to wait for that day. And the father complies and gives him his portion of the inheritance, and the Bible says he goes off to a far land, and the passage says he squanders it on reckless living. He squanders it. 
He squanders the inheritance his father had saved for him. He squanders what his father's worked all his life to provide for his family. He squanders it and he's reckless with it, as if he doesn't, didn't care that his, he wanted his inheritance, wanted his dead, dad to be dead, that's the first thing, and then he takes what he's given and he wastes it. And now hard times comes and he realizes, he comes to his senses and he says, I'm here feeding pigs, my father's hired men eat better than this, I'm gonna go home, I'm gonna ask my father to forgive me, I'm not worthy and I'll just be a servant. And so the passage says, the son, while he was a far ways off, the father notices. Because the father's looking. Just like the shepherd, he's counting. Just like the woman who had the 10 coins, knows there should be 10, one's not there. So it matters, so the father's looking, always looking. Naturally, we'd be ripped off with the arrogance of our child, the recklessness that they'd spent, the carelessness that they'd turned away from your love. Uh, they'd gone and done their own things, they had their own values in life, rejected you, rejected you, rejected you, and even rejected you some more, and now you see them coming down the road and you don't know what they're doing, why they're coming down the road, how would you respond? I'll tell you how this father responds. He runs to him, unheard of in that day. Unheard of that a father of this age would run to his son that he sees afar off. In fact, the story we don't have time to unpack is the community would actually have disciplined the son before he ever is welcomed back in that family because it was a terrible thing he'd done. And before he gets his whole speech out, Dad, I've sinned against heaven and earth. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Boom, he says, get the robe, get the shoes, get the ring, kill the fatted calf. My son who was dead has come to life again. And it's a wonderful story, but as we walk through our life in the natural relationships we have with people who've rejected us, companies who have treated us a certain way, relationship you've been in and has turned upside down, the pain that you've had with a, an expectation of a certain way, and you know how it hurts so deep, and you put up a guard to say, I'm not gonna let anybody get that close quite ever again, because that hurts very deeply. This father lives open-handedly, always counting. I got 99, but where's that one sheep? Where is that sheep? Where's that son? And so we come on the concept of agape love. And my real passage that I wanna talk about, and I want you to open your Bibles to, is 1 John 4, 7 and following. Because God's love is a love that just supersedes our expectations, our understandings, it's always looking, always reaching, always counting. And he says, John says in 1 John verse four, dear friends, let us continue to love one another for love comes from God. We're talking about a God love. 
Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. And anyone who does not love does not know God. Because God is love. We measure people coming into God's kingdom by a prayer generally. And it begins with a prayer, so that's fair. But the measurement of God's love that we've received is seen by how we love others. The the marker that God is actually living in us is that his love, an agape love, leaks out of us. It's constantly expressed through us. The aroma of it is constantly being uh, in the room where we are because this this. God is love. And I've just invited God into my life and he's now living in my life. And so the marker is not necessarily a prayer I prayed. Maybe the marker is better is do, do we love others? Agape love is God's kind of love. Anyone who loves like God knows God. And anyone who does not Love does not know God. It's pretty startling. Let me go to verse nine. And God showed up how much he loved us by sending, John three sixteen, sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. So he loves the world, but eternal life comes through, through him. So I, I love, well, God loves the world. He wouldn't, he wouldn't send people to destruction. That's the, I, I thought God was love. He is love, and he expressed his love through his son so you could have eternal life. It's like the gift that's just right there. I give it to you. Just take it. Just receive it. My son. And by receiving, his, his love begins to, is received, and his presence begins to be expressed. So he does love the whole world, but we might have eternal life through his son. This is a real love, not that we love God, but that he loved us, sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. So the sin problem is still an issue. The sin problem is still something that has to be resolved. God loves us. Let me just tell you this. God doesn't, there's nothing you could do that could make God love you more. And and there's nothing you and I could do that could make God love us less. He just loves us. He loved the world so much that he gave. That's how his love is expressed, that he gave. His agape love is a, is a love of action. It's a love of expression. There are feelings attached to it in a sense, but it's more than a feeling. It's, a, it's, a, it's an action. His love he gave, he expressed so that we could. 
And then the sin issue of our brokenness and our separation from God is all addressed through Jesus' sacrifice and just receiving him. It's, it's, all, it's, it's quite clear here. This is real love, not that we love God, but he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. And the issue of sin in our life is an expression of his love, the actions we take, because he knows the, the corrosive effect of sin, both the power of sin being broken, but now our new way of living, the Father knows the corrosiveness of doing life your way. Doing life your way and my way, life my way is very corrosive. It's always eating away. Eats away at our, our emotions, it eats away at our dreams, eats away at our relationships. So when he gives us the directives and how to walk our life, it's not to take life away from us, but it's to see life flow through us in a greater measure. It's the most loving action by me saying to the, our little granddaughter, no, you can't touch that stove. I'm angry, I'm ticked off, I can't touch that stove. It's the most loving thing I could do at that moment. But in her childishness, not always well received, as seen by you and I this week and possibly some of the things we've encountered. And it's like, I remember a few years ago, we were laying down a hardwood floor and um, somebody had lent me their, their, their nailer Made it a lot easier putting the, so you put the floor down, you use the nailer real quick and the little spring action. When it's up, that when it went down, the nailer would go through the two pieces of wood. And I had, I had never really used the nailer like that before and I was a little amused by it and I picked up a little piece, a piece of wood and I thought, I'm gonna just see, see how this goes through it, holding it with my finger behind it. And so I proceeded to nail my finger to the board and then discovered my dilemma. And, and, and my father was actually with me in our home in Langley. And I turned to him and I said, I just, I just nailed this board to my finger. And I pulled the board and nail off and I looked at my dad, and my dad had like, was, it was like he was so sad that it had happened. Like it was like, oh, son, I wouldn't have wanted you to do that. It's always painful. It always hurts. There's always repercussions to that. It always bleeds, you know. I told my son, who had done roofing and work with nailers. He thought it was the funniest thing going. He thought it was hilarious that I'd done such an idiotic thing by actually taking that and try nailing a board to it, something that, a, that he would have thought of doing, right? But I kind of got a picture of our Heavenly Father looking at us and not going like, ah, oh, son, daughter. It's why I, it's why those guidelines were there so that you... Actually, the most loving thing I could do is to say, walk this way. 
because I know that's the way that gives life and hope. And that way is pain and hurt and difficulty. It's corrosive. I'm not saying there's not pain walking in God's ways. I'm saying is there's corrosiveness that has long-term damage when we walk in sin. Let me read the next passage. 1 John 4, 13. And God has given us his spirit, so proof that we live in him and he is in us. Furthermore, we've seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. There it is again, John 3, 16. He sent his Son to save the world. God loves a world. Why would he ever bring punishment? That's why he sent a Savior. The Savior comes and does the deed, does the, saves us through him that we can be saved. People say, how could a God of love do that? Right, and that's why he sent a Savior. That's the answer. That's why he sent a Savior. That's why I'm telling you about it. All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God, have a live, have, uh, have, uh, Son of God, have God living in them, and they live in God. We know how much God has loved us. We've put our trust in his love. God is love, and all those who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. How does uh, Paul say it in Corinthians? Now, there's these three things, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is That's because God is love. Now the fruit of the Spirit is, what's the first one? In the name of love. Because that's the nature of God and so when the nature of God is living in us, we begin to demonstrate the nature of God by becoming like God. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. Isn't that wonderful? He's perfecting love in us so we will not be afraid on the day of judgment. There's a judgment? Evidently, there's a judgment. But we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. You know, when the day of Pentecost, um, sorry, in the turn of the 19th century, when the fullness of God's spirit hit Los Angeles, there was a black preacher um, named William Seymour, and he was conducting services on Azusa Street, and people were being baptized in the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. They had quite, quite a stir, and it spread through. Same things were happening in Britain. Same things were happening up in Canada, but the more famous was Azusa Street in Los Angeles. And, and, uh, and, so, and there were a lot of other things happening, a little bit of craziness happening, but there was a fullness of spirit, people speaking in tongues, and they said, what is the evidence of the fullness of the Spirit? Seymour always said, I think it's love. I think it's love, not tongues, it's love. That's the fullness of God's Spirit. And I, I can't disagree. I think speaking other language, God gives us the ability to do that but it's not exempt from love. Not exempt from love, because he's love. How can I exempt that fruit? It doesn't make sense. Okay. Let me bring it home. 
Verse 18, such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. Now you gotta get this in your spirit. New Living Translation. Such love has no fear. We've been kind of working through the process of Jesus and the sacrifice and God's love and his love working through us and he's just walking through how it's expressed to other people around us. We're getting that. God's love is a God of action. He, He acts. He gave his son. It's all about going for the one, leaving the 99, looking for the coin. It's all about running to the son. All those things, but now he's bringing it home to something very, very practical, and I don't want you to miss this. And I, I, Such love that I've just been talking about has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment, and this shows us that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. And then he wraps it with a little bow. We love each other because he loved us first. I think I've covered that last line a little bit, but let me go back to the verse. Such love has no fear. It's not caught up with the worries of tomorrow, and it doesn't live in the fears of today. And if you live with the fears of today, and walk with the worries of tomorrow, you are not fully receiving how much he loves you. If I begin to be worried and anxious over the things that could happen and what may happen and so forth, I don't have a good realization of him leaving the 99, for him searching under every place, for him running to the prodigal and realizing the depth of his love and giving his son, if that's just become a head knowledge thing for you, you're gonna walk with a lot of fear and worry. But when you have the signals, when the little light on your car goes low of oil, I, I need, I need, I need a revelation, I need to receive. I need to know how much he really loves me. How much I really matter to him. How much he cares for me. What does he say earlier, and I kind of I made that, elaborated on that point as I was reading, that through Christ he gives us all things, everything is for you. And you go, yeah, yeah, I know that, but I still got, I'm still kind of, it's, it's, it's real down here. I got a few worries. You know, I'm wondering. I got fear of lack. Worry about what may happen tomorrow. Because you've got past experiences that remind you how things always turn out. But this morning, as I'm reading God's word and we're unpacking it and saying, when those things start creeping up, I need to run into his presence and wait on him so once again I'm filled and reminded and knowing how much he loves me. The light goes on, you need a little more oil in your car. 
or if the battery is flashing, you need a little more electricity in your Tesla. Okay, whatever it may be. <laughs> you're, you're lacking. And you're trying to fight it off with what things could happen and worry, anxiety, and the fears. I'm really fearful of that. And what we need, what we need to do is just come back into his presence and to wait on him and worship him and, and let his love just pour over us and, and wait on him and put our trust back in him and his word and confess the truth of what he's promised he will do. And, and what does he say in Matthew 6? You know, the birds aren't worried. Pagan, pagan, like I love how he says it in, in, in some translations of Matthew 6. The pagans, they worry about this kind of stuff, but not you. You're people of the kingdom. You're seeking God first. You're walking in his ways. Amen. You're living in the fullness of his love. Amen. So you don't have to worry about those things. If I look after the sparrows, how much more? Can you say that with me? How much more? How much more? How much more will he do it? How much, how much more will he do that for you? He gave his son, no small thing, his only son, so he could sacrifice, pay for our sins. And how much more will he do that for you and to me? It's, this is a love issue. And coming to his word, not mechanically, but recognizing, he's like my dad going, oh, son, I feel bad about that. I'll just love you. The fear and the insecurities and worries should be little indicators that we need to come back into his presence and receive and walk in the fullness of his love for us. Others may live that way, and I've walked in that way. And it's not that we don't sometimes find ourselves in those places where fear and worry jumps up on and, and grabs a hold of us, but those are the times I come back to the Father and say, I just, Dad, I just, I screwed up. I need to call my dad. I messed this one up. I need my father who's looking down the road waiting for us to turn to him. You say, isn't that a little dangerous? Like, couldn't you take advantage of him? I guess he thinks it's worth the, worth, worth the risk. And we're gonna take advantage of that because his goodness is so wonderful, how, how can you stay taking advantage of that? And soon you'll just receive it as a much-loved son and daughter. Now, if you've come here this morning and maybe you, you've walked with God at one point in your life, you've been going your, your own way, you came with someone this morning, or maybe you've been here for years but you've come this morning, and as we've talked about Jesus Christ, you know it's been a long time since I've, I've really walked with God, or maybe I've never opened my life up to his forgiveness. And so I, in a moment, I wanna pray for you, if that's your desire this morning. So if you're here this morning, and I, I'm, we're gonna just do this with our eyes all open and our heads up. If this morning you're saying, you know what, would you pray for me because I want to receive God's love for the first time or maybe I've walked away and it's been a long time and you want me to pray for you. Can you just, with the courage, put your hand up real quick 
and just look my way, and I want to agree with you. Wherever you are here in this place, in the balcony, yep, yep. Who else is there? Yeah, yep, yes. Where else, yeah. Who else is here? You can put your hand down again, yeah. Who else is here? And say, I just want to, re- I want to receive him. And it starts with a prayer. It doesn't end with a prayer. It's a beginning with a prayer of confession and forgiveness. But as his presence comes in, you know it's much more than that. It's him living through you. For those of you that raise your hands, I want all of us to pray a prayer with you, five, six that raise your hands. And I want us all to pray this prayer together, a prayer that says, I realize that I've sinned and fallen short of what you've intended, but I want to receive you into my life. Forgive me of my sins. So why don't we just pray this prayer together? I'll lead you in it, and then we can all pray it together to encourage those who have raised their hands. Let's say this prayer together. Dear God, thank you for sending Jesus, your only son, to die for my sins. And today... I realize and recognize your love for me. And I ask you to forgive me of all my sins and come into my life and to take over and to lead me and to live through me today. I thank you now in Jesus' name. Just while we're bowed, you're here this morning and you've been like me that you've walked through challenging times and worries and fears have gripped you and you realize that you're a believer of God but you've not been walking and living in his love and fear has been gripping you and you've been worried and anxious and today by raising your hand you're saying, yeah, I realize I, I'm running back to him today. Would you just put your hand up all around this place? I got my hand up. All around this place, you're saying, yeah, I just realized, I'm just walking in it. Just walking in it. I'm walking in it. I'm living. You don't know. You read my mail. Read my mail. Why don't we just stand? Father, we just want to pray for each one here, all of us. Father, we just pray for each one here. Raise their hands and maybe a few that didn't. Father, we just want to run into your love. It's your love. If we knew how much you loved us, we wouldn't even be worried about it put our trust in you, our faith in you. If we knew how you had tomorrow worked out, we wouldn't be so worried and fearful. It's not about us. It's all about you. So Father, I just pray that you'd wrap your arms around each one today and pour out your spirit upon them. We pray in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Pastor. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for listening to this message. We pray that you have received truth and have been encouraged. For more information about First Assembly, how to get connected, and to listen to our latest worship albums, please visit our website at www.fa.church.